Hey, Andrew here. If you uh, haven't listened to Monad 1, What is a Monad?, then you might be a little bit confused about the naming of the episodes on the podcast. So what I've done is I have some shorter and less highly produced episodes that I'm calling monads, and that's what you're about to hear. But the episodes that I was the most obsessive about and put the most effort and time into, I'm calling those episodes full episodes as part of a full season So go to the seasonal episodes if you want to hear Reductio at its best. But if you want to hear me kind of playing around with the medium and and playing around with ideas uh, that I find interesting in in a little bit shorter and more informal format, uh, then listen to the monads. I hope you enjoy. Reductio Adventures and Ideas. I'm your host, Andrew Lavin. Reductio is a show about philosophy, about ideas, and about understanding ourselves and our world more clearly. Brought to you by Inverted Spectrum Media. So I fell in love with philosophy after taking Intro to Philosophy at Butte College, just outside of my hometown in Chico, California. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life at that point, but I had plans to apply to film school and to pursue a career in media production. It's kind of funny how things come full circle now that I'm producing a podcast. But I ended up doing a degree in religious studies, which is now more aptly called comparative religion. And then I decided to do an MA in philosophy. It was the rigor and unceasing pursuit of clarity that drew me to philosophy. It was a method for learning to think well, and I fell in love with wisdom and understanding. I wanted as much of it as I could get. While at San Jose State, I became convinced that I would need a PhD in philosophy to be able to teach philosophy for a living. So I applied to a number of schools, got into UCLA, and here we are. I currently teach a mixture of online and in-person philosophy courses at Butte College, CSU Chico, and Feather River College. That's a bit about me, but it doesn't tell you much about what it is I do, what I studied all these long years, and what it is I teach. What the heck is philosophy? What is philosophy? What is philosophy? Philosophy is the preparation of death. So I tell my students that philosophy is the study of open questions or big questions. And to explain what that means, I contrast it with closed questions. And I say closed questions are questions that have agreed upon answers, or else they have answers that are discoverable by something like the scientific method. So I give examples of closed questions could be something like, uh, what is the start date of the Civil War? Uh, What is the end date of the Civil War? Uh, What is the speed of light? Those are closed questions. But philosophy, on the other hand, studies open questions. Open questions don't have agreed upon answers. They don't have answers that are uh, discoverable by traditional roots of knowledge. So open questions are things like, what is the meaning of life? What is the nature of knowledge? What does it mean to know something? Do human beings have immaterial souls? Do human beings have an inherent nature? 
uh, what is morally right and wrong. Do human beings have free will? So these are open questions because they don't have agreed upon answers. I also call them big questions because they have to do with you know, the nature of reality, the nature of the world, and the nature of our place in it. I see philosophy as a type of play, a playing around with ideas in conceptual space. Is it okay if my cat is wheezing in the background? <laughs> so I don't think philosophy is any one thing. I think philosophy is something that is continually invented anew as each philosopher does and reflects on what they're doing. Uh, for me, philosophy is the discipline where we have no necessary assumptions about how to proceed in a particular investigation. I see that as a contrast with the sciences. Sciences are disciplines that are able to build bodies of knowledge because they start with certain necessary assumptions that define the phenomena they're studying and how they study it. And philosophy is the opportunity to interrogate those necessary assumptions. Most people think that it's just about an academic discipline that studies things like the knowledge of the universe, either that or they think it's about opinions. But philosophy isn't about either of those. Philosophy really is a way of life. It's a way of seeing the world with curiosity and skepticism. And not just skepticism about natural things, but skepticism about the ways our minds work. Skepticism about things like the scientific method and whether or not that really holds water. And skepticism about whether or not we should do things scientifically. What should we do? It's not just about what do we do, it's about what should we do. And it's about having skepticism and curiosity about that. It's about bringing all of that skepticism and curiosity to bear in your entire life. I also think philosophy is about curiosity. It's about allowing our curiosity to take us beyond the limits of utility and practicality and to really seek just how far down the rabbit hole goes. What do you think philosophy is? I don't think it is. <laughs> like, to me, philosophy makes most sense as an adverb. Anything that could be done could be done philosophically. And there are just topics that are very difficult not to do, but philosophically. And that's the closest I get to thinking that there's anything like a proper subject matter of philosophy or properly philosophical questions. Like there are questions you couldn't even attempt to answer unless you were thinking philosophically. Um, so maybe that's what people mean when they treat philosophy as a noun. But to me, I'm just like, are you thinking real hard? Then you're probably doing philosophy, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I like to point out is that when we're trying to come up with potential answers to the open questions, is we wanna come up with the strongest answer possible. And so that doesn't mean that just any answer will do. It means that whatever answer you propose, you have to test it. You have to show its strengths and weaknesses. 
So you have to use critical reasoning and logic to try to come up with the strongest answer possible and use critical reasoning to show the strengths and the weaknesses to different answers. And when you have kind of those critical reasoning tools, you can take a potential answer and you can evaluate it. And you say, is this a good answer? Is this a likely answer? So philosophy, I call it the study of open questions and big questions with the use of critical reasoning. But perhaps most unusually, I think following Barry Stroud, that a lot of really good philosophy is about figuring out what the right questions are. That when we're curious about things, that's a good thing, but oftentimes we get confused by the way we approach the thing that we're curious about. We make assumptions about it that we don't even realize we're making. And philosophy is sort of withholding the investigation so that you can take time to reflect on what it is you actually want to know about, why that's important, whether or not there's a better way to ask the question. And for me, some of the deepest surprises that I've encountered in my philosophical research has been the discovery of a really profound question. Thanks to philosophers Dean Dominguez, Kimberly Angles, Kelby Peeler, Michael Fitzpatrick and his Kitty Cosette, Olufemi Taiwo, and June Brown for their insightful responses. I wanted to highlight a few general themes from their answers to the simple question, what is philosophy? Philosophy is about curiosity and exploring ideas. How do ideas fit together? Which ideas cause friction with others? What are the contours of this or that idea or concept? How do we know the meaning of a concept? How do we answer the questions that are primarily about the connections between ideas? Surely we can't do an experiment in a lab like we might do in chemistry or physics to answer these types of questions. Philosophy is in some sense two things. First, it's a method for understanding questions, arguments, and positions more clearly so we can seek to identify the strongest position available. And second, it's a particular subject matter chosen in part because these are the types of questions we can seemingly only answer using philosophical methods and not, say, using scientific methods. In short, philosophy is critical reasoning applied to conceptual or open questions. The word philosophy famously comes from two Greek words, philos and sophia, Philos is similar to the root of the city Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Philos is the sort of love one might have for a sibling, a platonic friend, or someone similar. Sure, it's found in creepy words like necrophilia, but something like audiophile or bibliophile might capture the more common sense in Greek. It's something like appreciation, respect, trust, and perhaps some kind of affection or companionship. Sophia, besides being a lovely name, is a Greek word meaning wisdom, insight, or understanding. A philosopher is therefore someone who loves wisdom, understanding, and insight, and pursues it for its own sake. A philosopher is someone who thinks acquiring and passing along understanding is one of the most valuable activities that humans can engage in. I really like this joke about philosophy. So a young man is going on the first date with this young woman, and he's quite nervous. He asks his father, Father, he says, what if we run out of things to talk about? Well, son, that's easy, the father says. Just stick to the three F's. Food, family, and philosophy. Of course, philosophy starts with a PH, but that's part of the joke. So the two go on their date, and the conversation lulls a little bit in the middle of the dinner. The young man nervously asks, Do you have any brothers? No, I'm an only child, she says nervously. Oh, says the young man. 
This didn't kickstart a conversation, so he turns to the next F and asks, Hey, I, I noticed you aren't eating your asparagus. Do you like asparagus? Embarrassed, the young woman says, No, I'm afraid I don't really like asparagus. Oh, says the young man. No conversation yet. So he turns to the last F, asking, So if you did have a brother, would he like asparagus? Okay, okay, not exactly a joke to produce side-splitting laughter. It does illustrate something funny about philosophy, though. It deals with possibilities, with the nature of possibility itself, and with counterfactual claims like, so if you did have a brother, would he like asparagus? And of course... All day long I'd be the bidi bum if I were a wealthy man. Philosophy isn't always concerned with what is the case, but instead focuses more on what must be the case, what might be the case, and what should be the case. In fact, my own dissertation is about what is normally the case, which sometimes bears very little resemblance to what is the case. David Hills of Stanford University in my favorite quote about philosophy says, Philosophy is the ungainly attempt to tackle questions that come naturally to children using methods that come naturally to lawyers. Philosophical questions are fun to explore. They're the kinds of questions an inquisitive eight-year-old might ask. To answer them, though, requires a particular set of tools that enable us to think carefully, painstakingly, and precisely about the question and about the possible answers one might give to that question. So one way of getting to know philosophy a little bit better is to look at a list of philosophical questions. These are questions that seem to be in principle unanswerable by means of empirical science. Not that science can't contribute to our understanding these questions, but instead that science can't directly answer these questions. What is an explanation? What does it mean to say something explains something else? What does it mean to say that something is normal? Am I the same person today as I was when I was 10 years old? Will I be the same person... As I am today? Will that person be the same as the 10-year-old me? What is a thing? My toaster oven, intuitively, is an object that toasts or cooks things. But it's also a collection of plastics and metals and other materials. But it's also a bunch of atoms arranged together. So what is it really? Is there any sense to that question? This is one of the most fundamental questions of a part of philosophy called metaphysics. The previous question about the identity of a person through time is also a question in metaphysics. What is justice? How do we decide whether a political institution or system is just? What is a moral action? How ought one decide what to do? What does it mean for an action to be right or wrong? What is consent? Do we give consent when we check the box on an end-user license agreement without really reading it? What about consent between individual people? What is a person? Is a fetus a person? What about a fertilized egg? What about a human in a persistent vegetative state? Are animals persons? What about truly artificially intelligent robots? What follows from saying that something is a person? How is the mind related to the body? Is the mind the same thing as the brain, the neurosystem? Is the mind immaterial? Is there an immortal part of us we might call a soul?
That's just a taste of the countless questions that are properly philosophical questions rather than scientific questions or religious questions. For instance, where do we go when we die is pretty much a religious question. Philosophy can inform our thinking about the question and might even rule out certain possibilities. But beyond that, philosophy can't even hope to answer such a question. It deals with a realm about which we, in principle, cannot know that much. And pure reason will only get you so far. A nice way to get to know philosophy is by looking at how philosophy is actually done. I want to explore a really simple question for the rest of this monad and reveal what the process of philosophy looks like as it unfolds in a dialectic or dialogue. This particular philosophical activity is called conceptual analysis. So I had the opportunity recently to teach a class of high school English. I wanted them to get onto the basic concept of philosophy, and in one class we ended up asking the question, what is a smoothie? Some students were very, what you might call, liberal on the question, thinking that, for instance, a single ice cube and some cottage cheese would be a smoothie. Others were more conservative, thinking that there are lots of things that didn't count as smoothies, and only really central cases counted as smoothies proper. There was some controversy, but luckily no hurt feelings. So we started with a basic definition that seemed plausible from the get-go. A smoothie is anything that you blend up in a blender. Then a student, puzzled look on her face, asked, Wait a second, if I put water in a blender and blend it, it's not a smoothie. Good, most people agreed with this assessment, so another student offered a revision to our original definition. This is often called reflective equilibrium, where we consider a general principle or definition. We think about real or imagined cases or examples, and then we revise our original principle or definition only to again test it against more cases or examples. In this case, the student offered the revision that a smoothie is anything you blend up in a blender that has at least two ingredients. Here's where the ice cube and cottage cheese showed up. It has more than one ingredient, and it has been blended, so it matches the definition, and yet it is intuitively not a smoothie, though some students disagreed and thought it was in fact a smoothie. Then another student said, Hold on, if I put water and juice in a blender and blend it, it's definitely not a smoothie. Again, another case that seems to meet the definition, but is not a smoothie. So we revise the definition to more than one ingredient, at least one of which is not already liquid or smooth, blended in a blender so as to make them smooth and blend them. But what if we take dirt and motor oil and blend them in a smoothie? Okay, so it has to be edible. What then if we put ketchup and an ice cube in a blender and blend? Well now, maybe that just is a smoothie. As weird a smoothie as it is, maybe we wouldn't deny its smoothiehood. At the end of this short analysis, we've got an initially plausible definition for a smoothie. Can you think of a counterexample to our definition? The definition works in a simple way. We've listed a number of conditions that something must satisfy if it is to be called a smoothie. If something satisfies all of those jointly sufficient conditions, then it is a smoothie. Anything, that is, that is more than one edible ingredient, at least one of which is not already liquid or smooth, blended in a blender so as to make them smooth and blend them. What about a turkey sandwich and some water? Would that be a turkey smoothie? If not, our definition still doesn't work. Some things are very difficult to define, like biological species, for instance because they have fuzzy, vague boundaries. Maybe smoothies are like that. Maybe the category doesn't have sharp boundaries so that it's obvious whether you are in or out of them. More analysis needs to be done. 
thank you for joining me again. At this point, we filled up our free account over at our podcast hosting service, Pippa, and we won't be able to post more episodes without paying a monthly subscription. With that in mind, I'd like to get $1 each month from 25 people. I'd like to ask you personally, yes, you, to consider throwing in $1 each month to keep Reductio going so I can publish more shorts and eventually publish whole episodes. If you can help out, please follow the link in the show notes to our Patreon page where you can sign up to donate $1 or more each month. You help out in that way, and I'll keep producing periodic shorts to keep you thinking. If you're interested in more philosophy, I've already mentioned Hi-Fi, that's P-H-I, Nation, and Unmute. The next recommendation I have is for an accessible podcast called Philosophy Bites, which is produced out of Oxford. They have short, well-produced interviews with professional philosophers. They're simple interviews instead of the more narrative thing I'm trying to work towards here at Reductio. But you can see what contemporary philosophers are up to, and they're up to a lot of interesting things. I've linked to the show in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Andrew Lavin here at Inverted Spectrum Media.